Welcome to the Wagging Tales Chronicles. I'm your host and reader, Myron Hieronymus Thomas. In this episode, Chapter 7, Snoopy the Collie. The cannons, remember the cannons with the cow udder in the barn? They had a beautiful black and white collie. Anyone who has watched Lassie knows the beauty and intelligence of a collie. Collies were bred to be working dogs, primarily herders. Given a command by the farmer, they will run across a pasture and, yipping at the heels of cattle, sheep, or whatever their charge, herd them into a pen or barn. It's a thing of beauty to watch a working collie. They are fearless and relentless. I have seen thousand-pound bulls back down from a fifty-pound collie. Like Lassie, collies will search diligently for a lost calf or lamb and go find help when needed. That same dog will lie at your feet longing for a pat on the head, a morsel from the table, and a good word from their master. The cannon's collie was a working dog, and I loved to watch her. On one visit, several months after the utter affair, I noticed she was nowhere in sight. If she were not working, she would generally meet us at the door of our car. I asked Dale if she was okay. He responded by motioning for me to follow him. We walked around the farmhouse, opened the gate to the barnyard, and walked toward the barn. When he reached for the door into the milk house, I stopped. I I thought this was off limits. It's okay, he said. I have permission. We entered the milk house, and just to our right, lying on a blanket, next to a row of milk cans and milking machines, was Missy. Is she sick? I asked hesitantly. Not really, Dale replied as he pulled back the blanket. Look! There, nestled up to her stomach, were nine or ten puppies. They were beautiful, tiny little balls of fur not more than six inches long, eyes still closed, crawling over one another in search of dinner. Can I have one? I exclaimed. Not yet, came a deep voice behind me. I turned and looked up into the face of Mr. Cannon, still wearing his gray coveralls and his black rubber boots, buckled just as before. But his stern look was replaced with a smile. They're still too young. You'll have to wait at least six weeks, and you must get permission from your mother. Then he reached down in the midst of all those squirming puppies, and with his big calloused hand gently picked one of them up and handed it to me. Be careful now. I had never in my life experienced such a thing. The puppies were just three days old. I held it tight, but not too tight. I did not want to hurt it. I looked at its tiny nose, ears, and mouth, its tiny paws, and pink little tongue. I knew I just had to have one of those puppies. Mrs. Cannon had already prepared my mother, and she knew what I was going to ask. She gave me the typical mother response of care and responsibility, and I, of course, returned it all with the typical ten-year-old response of, yes, of course I will care for it. That was in mid-September. The next six weeks were the longest weeks of my life. Each day, I would mark an X on the calendar. Finally, just after the first of November, the day arrived. It was a Friday night when we went to get our puppy. The high school football team from our small town was playing the high school football team from their small town. 
My older sister, Becky, and her friend, Janice, and her brother, Lucky, went along with us to get my puppy. But first, we had to go to the game. I don't know who won. I didn't care. It was an agonizingly long game, but finally it was over. When we arrived at the Cannon Farm, we immediately went to the milk house. The puppies had grown at least six inches. They were chubby and filled with energy, crawling all over each other and biting one another's ears. Lucky decided he would like to have one too, but I was to get my pick first. I wasn't sure what to pick. My mother had insisted that I get a male, so I was looking for a male. I noticed Lucky would turn them over and look for a protrusion on their stomach, a little faucet. I found one. I really liked and turned it over. Sure enough, there on the underside I saw what looked like the right plumbing. I had selected my puppy. He was mostly white with black spots. Lucky selected one that was almost entirely black with white front feet and a white blaze down its chest. We put them in a box with blankets and started home. I sat in the back seat with the box on my lap the entire way home watching those puppies. They slept most of the way. When we got home, Lucky took his puppy and went home, and we put mine on our back porch. It was an enclosed porch, which contained my mother's washer and dryer, my bicycle, and a few other odds and ends, but we made room for the box with the puppy. Mr. Cannon had told me to put a hot water bottle wrapped in a towel and a clock inside the box. It would help keep him from missing his mother. The water bottle would be warm like her body, and the ticking would remind him of her heart beating. We put the items in his box and prepared him for his first night in his new home. I wanted to sleep in the porch room with him, but my mother said no. I was up early the next morning, and I ran downstairs to meet with my new friend. He was up and scratching at the box. He cried, his little voice just a squeak. He's probably hungry, said my mother. You better feed him. I put some food in his bowl, which the cannons had given us as a starter. After a little coaxing, he finally ate it up, and I took him outside. By this time, my cousin, Barry, who lived down the block from us, was there. We went outside and sat on the ground with him, playing with him and teasing him. What are you going to name him? Barry asked me. I don't know. Maybe Bullet. Bullet was Roy Rogers' dog's name, and Roy was my favorite cowboy. No good responded Barry. Bullet is a police dog. How about Scamp? I don't like Scamp, I replied. We went through a dozen more names, but none were quite right. We tried Champ, Bingo, King, Spot, Ruffs, Fido, Prince, Ringo, Billy, Bear, Woofy, and Herbert. Herbert! Barry looked at me like I was nuts. It was just a thought, I said defensively. All the while we were going through names, my puppy was sniffing around everything in the yard. First an apple from the apple tree, then a blade of grass, then another blade of grass, a leaf, my foot, Barry's foot, you name it, he was sniffing. Finally, Barry said, what about Snoopy? He's snooping at everything. Snoopy, that's it, I exclaimed. And so we named my collie puppy Snoopy. The truth is, at that time, I had never heard of Snoopy the cartoon beagle. As far as I knew, my collie Snoopy was the only dog named Snoopy anywhere. The next day, I took my new friend up the street to meet my old friend, Tippy Torbert. While I was introducing him to Tippy, Gladys came out and asked me his name. I told her 
It was Snoopy. After the cartoon dog? She asked. What? I replied. There's a cartoon dog named Snoopy. I have some books of him in the house, she said. We went in the house and she showed me two books filled with collections of cartoon strips with a beagle dog named Snoopy, written and drawn by a cartoonist named Charles Schultz. I thought it was the greatest thing, and I couldn't believe the coincidence that I would select a name of the most famous dog in the world for my dog. As Snoopy, the collie, grew older, he needed a place to live. Our neighbor, Bill Callendine, gave us a doghouse he had in his backyard. Their dog, a beagle, I believe, had died or, or went to live on a farm or something, and it was in need of a new occupant. We sat the doghouse up in the backyard and introduced Snoopy to his new home. My mother wouldn't think of having an inside dog, and Snoopy had to live outside. He was chained to a pole near the doghouse and had enough chain that he could run around the yard. Snoopy loved to dig holes, and as he grew, he could dig some pretty doggone big ones. I tried to get him to stop, but like all creatures, he had a mind of his own. In fact, Snoopy did not like the inside of his doghouse. He would never go in it. As he grew to full size, he discovered he could jump on the top of his doghouse. And, as ironic as this may seem, from that point on, he would always lie on the roof of his doghouse, similar to the cartoon Beagle Snoopy, except this was a real-life dog lying atop his doghouse. Rain or shine, he would be there. Now, he didn't lie on his back. He was on his stomach, but still, he was on the roof of his doghouse. Only once did I ever see him go in the doghouse. It was during an afternoon rainstorm. It was an extremely hard rain, and I looked out the back window to see if Snoopy was all right. There he was on his house, unfazed by the rain. It began to rain harder. He did not move. Harder, nothing. Finally, the rain was coming down in such volume that I could barely see him from the house. He and his house were merely outlines in the water-filled sky. It was then that he jumped down from the roof and went into the doghouse to get out of the rain. I never saw him in his house again. One day, I was visiting with Lucky and his collie. The dogs were now over a year old and full-grown. I don't recall Lucky's dog's name, but he was jumping up on Lucky, and I noticed his plumbing looked different than Snoopy's. I mentioned this, and we looked at both dogs closely, and sure enough, I had mistaken Snoopy for a male when he was in reality a she. What a shock. I now had to change my entire thought process. No longer could I say, here boy. It was, here girl. Good boy was good girl. Now it became, she won't get off her doghouse, not he won't get off his doghouse. I loved her all the same, though, and was sure glad I'd named her Snoopy instead of Herbert. I must confess that as with many young boys who promise to take care of their dog, I found the responsibility to be less rewarding than the idea of having a dog. With Tippy, I could enjoy the conversation, but did not have to feed him or clean up his poop. As much as I loved Snoopy, my interests in wanting to play with my friends resulted in my having or taking 
less and less time to spend with my dog. The following summer, between my sixth and seventh years in school, I went to Boy Scout camp. When I returned, I went out back to see Snoopy. She was gone. I asked my mother where she was, and she told me she had given her to a farmer. She said she didn't think it was a good life for her tied to a pole by her doghouse. She noticed Snoopy was getting skinny, and it would be better if she had a farm where she could run. I have no doubt that she was right, and as much as I missed Snoopy, I knew she would be much better off where she had room to run and not being chained near a doghouse that she never went in. But I always thought maybe Snoopy had been visited by a male friend. Perhaps she was not getting skinny, but getting fat. Whichever, I would have liked to have had the opportunity to have said goodbye. Still, I will never forget that crazy collie, and the vision of her sitting on her doghouse in the pouring rain is forever embedded in my mind. Good boy. <laughs> Girl. Snoopy. Snoopy the collie. Oh, I still think of her often whenever I see a collie. That's all the time we have today in our episode. I want to thank you for joining us and encourage you to place us in your library so you get updates when new episodes come out. And also, we invite you to share your dog stories with us or other animal adventures or send any comments that you might like to to the radio reading room at gmail.com. Until the next time, I'm your host and reader, Myron Hieronymus Thomas, reminding you, dog spelled backwards is God. <laughs>